Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. And here on the America Out Loud radio network, we're going to delve into some things that are going on. One of the first things I want to talk about, because Chasing Justice is all about that, chasing justice and finding it wherever we can, looking at the headlines, we see Minnesota. Talk about, you know, what there's the old saying, what would Mama Bear do? You know, there's nothing, uh, nothing scarier than being out in the woods and seeing uh, a bear, right? That could, that could be pretty scary, but seeing some cubs... Now you better be careful because you know the mama bear is around somewhere and mama bear doesn't play when you get near them cubs. Well, that's true for parents too, right? For human parents. They lay down their lives for their children. You know, you would. I know I would. And we see instances of this in different places. Well, Minnesota. Dateline, Minnesota. A father was in a car with his four children. And he was carjacked. Right? Now get this. This is absolutely amazing. The guy was carjacked. And the jacker left their car at the scene. Right? So the carjacker has a stolen car. Goes up to this guy and jacks his car with the guy's four kids in it. And he takes off. The father jumps in the stolen car left behind by the carjacker. And starts trying to go find his kids and his car. And at one point... He did find him, and he rammed his own car with the stolen car he was driving. Uh, the suspect stopped, got out of the car, and fled, and the guy saved his kids. Now, you talk about, you know, the mama bear syndrome. Well, there's the papa bear doing the right thing, and I think that's absolutely amazing. You know, one of the things when I, when I talk to people about responding to violence or doing something dangerous, and I told my own kids this is that the reality is when something like that happens, you have to assess the situation and decide what's the best way to respond quickly. Now, this guy obviously responded quickly. Uh, he saw what happened. There's the car that the jacker left behind, jumps in it, uh, and takes off after the guy. So when I told my kids, if somebody ever jumped in your car to take your car, I said, let them have the car. Just get out. Uh, if somebody's threatening you, just get out, let them have the car, because you know what? We have insurance. Uh, we will get a new car. I'm not worried about the car. I'm worried about you, so get out of the car. But if somebody gets in the car with you and then tells you take off and drive and go somewhere, I always told them, do not go somewhere, all right? Crash the car. As soon as you can, first chance you get, crash that car. Because what will happen is you take off with this person, they take you up into the hills or out into the woods or to the field, and that's it. You're not coming back. Chances are you're going to be a, uh, a tragedy. So if you uh, if you, they, they make you drive the car, go a half a block and crash it into another car so that it can't be driven. Could the attacker do something to you? Yeah, they might. But uh, they might just also get scared, jump out of the car and take off. Because if you go with them for the ride, you may never come back. So seeing what this father did, uh, I think it's absolutely tremendous that he did that. Uh, and as, as I'm reading the story to realize that once he saw the car, his own car that was jacked, he, uh, he rammed it to, to stop it. And, uh, and actually it worked. And sure, there's a lot of danger in doing all of that. But uh, somebody got your kids and they're taking off with them. 
you have to stop them. So absolutely amazing, and kudos to that dad who did the right thing. So let's see, what else do we see? Culture wars. We have culture wars going on in our country all the time, don't we? We are so split now in a way I've never seen, and, and there's many reasons for that. And I think we can disagree on a lot of points. I think we certainly can disagree about things, but we can't really talk about things. That's the problem. We can all disagree because we do. We disagree about everything. We don't discuss anything. Everything is everything is advantage or fake advantage or or looking like you're winning when you're not really winning. So let's let's take a look. Disney, which was a a wonderful beloved place to take your family, took on a lot of social issues. Now I'm not going to comment on the social issues, but the fact that it wasn't just a family park to go. Uh, and enjoy your your kids and innocence of childhood and the beauty of all the things Disney has and all the the stories we all grow up with loving. That under leadership that was in place, they started to become very woke, so to speak, disregarding the traditional family and looking at every other group and putting those groups ahead of traditional family. Now, I'm not saying you can't have all of them celebrated, all the different things including traditional family. But what they did is they stepped on the neck of traditional family. And I know lots of people, lots and lots of people in in the world that when Disney comes up, they say, I'll never go there again. I'll never go there again. What they're doing, I'll never go there again. So <sighs> recently they had a change in leadership. I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suppose that they started to feel it in their bottom line, that because traditional families stopped going there, stopped purchasing their products, stopped doing things, they got the message loud and clear. It's it's fine to be tolerant of different ideas and different things. That's actually a good thing. But when you put everything else aside and you attack uh, the traditional family, well, now people back away. And now you're kind of stuck. And that's what it looks like it happened to Disney. Uh, I, I can only imagine. So they changed leadership, and the new leader, Bob Iger, came out, and he said, uh, you know, Disney's going to take a, uh, a hands-off approach to all these social issues, which is correct. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Jump out there and, and, and alienate half of your, your customers? We all have different opinions. There were Disney employees that voiced opposition to some of the uh, positions Disney was taking, and those employees were fired, uh, removed, silenced, basically. And now this new CEO says, no, we're going to get away from that. We're going to get back more to, it's a theme park for fun. Come on out. Everybody is welcome to come on out and enjoy the park. But they're not going to take specific uh, positions on things anymore, which is probably the way to go. Uh, go see Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck. Uh, go enjoy the parks with your kids, Main Street, an ice cream cone. It's really, it's a wonderful experience, and I'm glad to see that it's it's heading back. So, hey, good for Disney, trying to do the right thing. I think this is the pendulum starting to swing. You know, this whole idea we talked about in a previous episode about tolerance. Tolerance is extremely important because the world is made up of lots of different people who think lots of different things, and we should be able to discuss all these points of view. That does not mean 
that there is not a right and wrong in the world, right? See, that's one of the things that we get caught up in is that, well, if, if you don't believe what I believe, then, then you're a hater and you're this. And that's not true. Some people can certainly believe one thing and people, someone else, believe something else. It doesn't make anybody a hater. We just all have different beliefs. Now, should we respect each other? Yes, 100% we should respect each other. Should we attack anybody? No, you shouldn't attack anybody. You know, who, who the hell are you to attack somebody? Uh, unless someone is coming after you for a reason, live and let live. That's what I say, right? So what we see is I think the pendulum starting to swing backwards. All, all this, all this anti-police uh, stuff that's gone on, the defund this, the defund that, and now we see the absurd levels of crime, uh, especially in places like California, which are completely woke. San Francisco, I mean, this was considered a beautiful, beautiful city, and even in some of the, the best neighborhoods, the highest-end neighborhoods, you have people defecating on the street. There's, there's drugs everywhere. I was listening to a news report the other day, and it was a reporter was in San Francisco, in a very high-end area of San Francisco, and they were talking about how there's, a, there's an area where there's a baseball field, and in the dugout is where the drugs are sold, and there's people on heroin, there's people on fentanyl. A little 10-year-old child was at a playground in San Francisco and somehow or other ingested fentanyl. This, this is not sustainable, as we've said before. That's a big word for our friends on the left, right, and all these progressive people, sustainability. It's not sustainable. And when I look at that, I say, what is, what is the value if you're trying to understand, you know, when they say we have to, you know, back the police off so they don't bother people and this and that. And the, okay, all right, well, let's, we, we can have a conversation about our policing. What do we want from our police officers? Do we want them to keep us safe? Do we want them to investigate crime? Do we want to bring people to justice? Or is it okay that somebody decides that they want to rape you and, you know, too bad, you get raped? Or they want to steal your stuff and, hey, too bad, you, they're going to steal your stuff and you have to allow that. That's craziness. That is crazy thinking. And I'm going to only assume that the real concept there is that, uh, okay, the system has been bad in the past, so therefore we're going to lighten up on uh, enforcement and all this other stuff so that innocent people will be caught up in the law enforcement net and go to prison, right? Because that's, that's the faulty thinking that many people who think like that have is that innocent people get sent to jail either because of their race or because of their economic stature or something. That we, The cops just go around and say, listen, uh, we got we to gotta lock up some people, uh, so let's lock them up and make up some stuff and put them in jail. That's not how it works. You see all this crime that we're seeing now in all these cities, these, these looting bands where they just walk in. And uh, there was one the other day, again in California, in I think it was Los Angeles, this group went in with masks on and just started stealing iPhones and iPads and everything. And the people in the store we didn't know what to do. And the, the store people that work there are telling them, listen, just, just let them do it. Just don't get in anybody's way. Then the criminals were threatening people, you know, uh, if they didn't get out of their way and let them steal all this stuff. There's, I'm sure there's no investigation going on. Uh, somebody came and took a report probably. But there's no investigation to try and actually find those people. Now, is that does that make up for past indifferences or beliefs that in the past things were wrong? No. All the crime you're seeing now out front and open that's not being um, addressed is all the same crime that went on before, only in the past, 
uh, we had our police uh, aggressively go after the criminals. And when you aggressively go after criminals and you arrest criminals and you put criminals in jail, separate them from society, what you find is you have a safer society. People start to realize that, hey, if I just go into a store and bash somebody over the head and I get caught, I'm going to prison. So maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll do something else to get the money I need for my drugs or my alcohol or for whatever it is that they need. It is a slippery slope downward in our society when we ignore and allow crime to run rampant because crime is negativity. Crime is a negative factor in human existence. And the reason that we put a stop to it, the reason we have police, is to have an orderly society where people can function and live and raise families and grow. And that is what makes uh, the world a better place. So when we look at tolerance, being tolerant of people's uh, stealing and robbing and raping is insanity. Those are not the things that you be tolerant of, right? We'd be tolerant of people who have a different lifestyle than us. We have, we'd be tolerant of people who have different kinds of beliefs than us. But when it comes to crime, there should be no tolerance for crime in any way, shape, or form. Even the what you know the non-violent crime where people uh, you know steal money out of out of a bank accounts and whatnot, that's still taking something from somebody. That could be damaging somebody's life, right? We have we cannot have tolerance for crime. The one thing that creates an orderly society is all of us agreeing and following the rule of law. Now, if we don't like certain laws, you know what you do? Our systems allows us to uh, elect people who will change the laws that we don't like. So if we don't care for certain things being crimes, we want to change that. We want to change the way we police. That's fine. Simply defunding the police and telling them not to enforce laws that are already on the books is insanity. And it leads to exactly what we're seeing. Now, if we don't like the idea of stopping people uh, in their cars for having cars that are uh, not maintained very well because, you know, too many people that are in a lower socioeconomic world can't afford to fix their cars, then you know what? We change those laws. And we don't have laws about equipment violations and bold tires and busted windshields and all kinds of other smoky exhaust pipes. So then law enforcement won't enforce those if that's what society wants. So it's, it's really a, an interesting way to look at how this whole tolerance uh, idea has led to the mess we are in right now. So the other thing I'm seeing, we're hearing a lot now about anti-Semitism. Now, anti-Semitism is an evil. Now, there's lots of different groups of people, religious groups of people, and some groups you can go after and other groups you cannot, right? Don't we see that? Uh, you can go after Christians. You can go after Christians and attack them. You can go after Jewish people and attack them. That seems to be acceptable in society. We have politicians uh, in our country, in our Congress, that are blatantly, outwardly anti-Semitic. And they are heralded as, uh, as great people. Now, this only leads to one thing. If you allow that kind of thing, now it doesn't mean you have to, to love the Jewish people. It doesn't mean you have to love the Christian people. But this is where tolerance comes in. Well, they don't believe what you believe. Well, they get to do what they're going to do, 
right? But we don't see that. It's, it's a one-sided kind of a thing. And that's where it gets dangerous. And when you allow, allow people to blatantly spew anti-Semitism, um, it leads to acts of anti-Semitism. And that cannot be tolerated. Uh, people want to go out and spew hatred. You don't have to listen to it. Right? But there is free speech, so they can go out and spew whatever hatred they want about Lieutenant Joe, about uh, the Jewish community, about the Islamic community. They can go out and do that's That's right? it, it's disgusting, but people have a right to do it. When it turns into acts, going after someone physically, damaging someone's property, we can have zero tolerance for that. You know, the whole idea of free speech is that it's not just the good, happy speech we all agree with, but any speech— if, if, you, if you start restricting speech and allowing government to decide what is okay speech, then they can also decide what you say is not good, and you can be punished for your speech. And we know there are some people out there who would like to punish people for their thoughts as well as their actions. It's actions uh, that we have to, to look at. So it's one thing for me to come out and say something against a particular group. Okay, it might be ugly, it might be hurtful, it might be all of that. It's speech. You don't have to listen to me. You can turn away. But if I come out and I physically hurt someone because I don't like them or, or find them to be correct, that is wrong. And I should be punished for that. We don't hurt people. We don't damage things. We don't go after people's property or their physical being. And this is where we're, we're getting lost here. Allowing this rising tide of anti-Semitism and applauding it, I, I actually find that scary because history is replete with these, with these events where anti-Semitism particularly, it starts to rise, it starts to rise, and then it leads to actions, and then it leads to people doing negative things. Uh, look at the BLM riots, all right? BLM, whether you agreed with them or not, uh, they had a point of view, and they had a right to state their point of view. Right? If you didn't want to hear it, you didn't have to listen to it. But if you found that, hey, there's some validity to what they're saying, they have a right to say these things, that's good. Until they started burning buildings right, and attacking people and hurting people, that, that cannot be tolerated. But that's exactly what we do. We pick and choose in our society between who, who should be allowed to speak and who shouldn't be allowed to speak, and that can be very, very damaging uh, to a society, uh, as terrible as it is, you know, the haters are going to run their mouth. People are going to see that they're haters and they're not going to listen because it's disgusting and ugly. Doesn't mean you can't have a difference of opinion about how things are done or, or something that's done or an action someone's taking in any group, uh, your group or a different group. Of course you can. You can have an opinion on that. But you can't physically go out and hurt anybody. You can't destroy property, right? I think I, think I made that point pretty clear. And we're on a dangerous uh, slope here. When we allow anti-Semitism, we just have to look to the historical record to see where that's going to lead, right? Uh, it leads to physical violence against people. And are, are, we, are we aiming for that? Is that what we're looking at? Is that what we're saying, well, that's okay. If you disagree with people, you, you can go smack them. You can hurt them. You can attack them. In some cases, we are saying that. I mean, what did our vice president say when the riots were going on in 2020? These people are not going to stop, and they shouldn't stop. So to make your point, you're going to damage people's property, damage government property, damage uh, people's lives, hurt people, go after them physically, because 
you disagree with their point of view? Well, that's what our vice president said. And that's what a lot of people have said. So our, our culture is changing um, to the point where it used to be anybody could say anything they wanted and you didn't have to listen. Now they want to control. They want to control what people say and think. And don't you see, don't you see that slippery slope happening? Of course we do. We all see it. Now it's funny talking with my father-in-law Ted uh, the other day um, about this exact thing, and he says, you know, uh, I think some people on the left, I think some of them like the uh, the power uh, the Chinese government has over its people. They just silence them. We were talking about. Uh, Apple potentially shutting off, uh, well, actually they did. They shut off some of the communications within China uh, using their uh, using their app. They can't airdrop information to each other in China because the protesters, that's how they were getting information out about what's really going on. And the Chinese government told Apple, hey, I don't want them doing that. Turn that off. And they did. So that cut off the information flow between the protesters. And Ted and I were talking about it, and he says, you know, I think some people on the left would applaud that, and they, and they would, because the tendency of prog progressivism and socialism leads to communism and control, state control of everything. Of You know, for socialism, it starts with the, the state controlling the means of production, uh, businesses, communities, all of that, and then it changes into control of the people and a control of the speech of what people are allowed to say, what's acceptable and what's not, what will get you thrown in jail and what won't, what will get you executed. We see these totalitarian governments around the world. In Iran, see, and I said that correctly, Iran, like that reporter, had the nerve to uh, say that to our basketball player, uh, or I'm sorry, was he a soccer? Soccer or basketball? A soccer player on the American team. I thought that young man was wonderful. Uh, he answered beautifully when uh, the, the Iranian reporter, first of all, scolded him. It's not Iran, it's Iran. That's how you pronounce our... Okay, I, I get it. Say the name correctly. But then he said, how do you feel representing uh, a country uh, that has so much racism, this and that? And the young man answered beautifully. Answered beautifully as a, as a great American. I was very proud of this young man when I, when I heard his answer, when he said to the effect that, hey, listen, we, we've had problems in our country and we're working on them. Things are getting better. We're trying all the time to be better. And that's really the essence of what we should all look at. There is true tolerance there. We have problems. Of course we do. Do we have more to fix? Of course we do. But we're working on it. So I, I have to say, I wish I could remember the young man's name. But he was, he was, very well spoken and and he really conveyed an american message and i thought it was really a beautiful thing the iranian guy what i'd like to have had the uh had our american guy say back to him is really what about your country where a woman doesn't wear a headscarf correctly and you execute her uh how's that for uh, having a problem right the world is filled with these totalitarian type governments and people that will do these things to people that control your every Every breath you take. Uh, in China, they have the lockdowns, which is the, the source of the riots that are going on all over the country. Uh, very dangerous for the people to protest because they will just shut off the TV cameras and the Internet and go and execute everybody uh, and then turn everything back on and say, hey, the protests are over. But the whole idea is that there was a family that was locked down because there was COVID. Somebody had COVID. And they apparently they welded their doors and windows shut 
so that nobody could leave the house. And then there was a fire in the house and the family died. And that really was, um, that was the point of no return for many people in China who see these lockdowns, these repressive uh, lockdowns as being too much. And they're standing up. The fact that our president will not stand up for these people who are in the streets asking for freedom and liberty is, is one of the only times I can remember that an American president didn't stand up for liberty and freedom around the world. And the fact that Joe Biden is not is suspicious. Now, we could get into a whole thing on Joe Biden's connection to China, and it comes down to money, right? Uh, the laptop, which hopefully our, our Republican friends are really going to investigate. They're not just going to give it lip service like they do every single time they get power. They don't actually do anything. They just talk a good game. Let's hope that uh, the fellas do it and the ladies do it there in the GOP and actually give us the truth. That's all. Give us the truth. What really happened with all these things? What happened? Where did COVID come from? Right? Wouldn't that be nice to know? Uh, you know it didn't come from, a, from the bat market uh, because how come it's still not going on? What, did they go cure all the bats? Ridiculous. How come the bat population is not being destroyed by this COVID that came from them? Why did only, of course, you'd have to be stupid, in my opinion, uh, to, to not comprehend that, of course, it came from a lab uh, in Wuhan. Of course, it came from there. Uh, they were doing research on these germs, trying to make them more powerful. And Dr. Fauci, he was helping that. Now, I, I don't get the, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. So I don't understand where the value is to humanity to figure out how can we make these kind of germs stronger and more lethal. Let's figure that out. Uh, this, I don't understand that research. Uh, I, as opposed to figuring out, hey, this is a deadly disease. How do we find a way to kill it so it doesn't come back, so it doesn't reproduce? That would be a good thing to spend money on, right? So anyway, I'm going around in a circle here. The idea of uh, the intolerance that we see and that it is applauded, that the people will say free speech is no longer a good thing. It's a dangerous thing. What they're trying to do with Twitter, they're losing their minds with Twitter, aren't they? Because uh, Elon Musk is going to expose what really went on at Twitter, who was involved in hiding things, you know, the, the, the laptop story, who suppressed that. Uh, to show you how they manipulated the media. Now, what's what I think is sad uh, for our country is that we have so many people who listen to these media outlets to get their opinions on things instead of thinking for themselves. Thinking for themselves, right, wrong, or indifferent. If we have a concern that our president is, uh, is connected to the Chinese government because he's getting a lot of money from them, then we should find that out because then he's vulnerable. And if he's vulnerable, we are in danger as a country. These are one of our biggest enemies. China would love to surpass us economically, militarily, and then control the world. This is what communist governments do. And we see it right in front of our eyes. And if our president is uh, connected to them too deeply and has control, where's the media concern? for all the red flags that are coming up that our president may absolutely be compromised with one of our biggest enemies. How come we don't talk about that? How come that's not a story? I only see it on one place. I hate to say that here in America out loud and maybe a little bit on Fox News. But the, how come we don't talk about those things? I don't know. We'll be back in a minute 
and we'll think a little bit more about it. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice here in America Out Loud. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan. A plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, everybody, to Chasing Justice. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a couple of things on some... Uh, high-end homicides we had seen, you know, some very high-profile homicides we had seen. And we talked about the John Bonet case, and, and I saw um, Mr. Bonet, uh, Mr. Bonet, John Bonet's father, uh, in the news again, where he, he has a petition, I think 29 or 30,000 signatures of people writing to the governor of Colorado saying, hey, listen, we agree, take whatever evidence you got that's sitting in a vault, you're not doing anything with it, and send it to these private companies that can look for DNA and try and build a profile of who killed this little girl. Now, it's 26 years since this little child was killed. She'd be 32 years old today, right? She's been moldering in a grave for 26 years. Her mother went to her death, to her grave, with this suspicion on her that she did something to it, and they never got to... To, to get any justice for their daughter, let alone that the child was taken from them. So this, uh, the family here is, is 
reaching out. And the father, I, I have to feel for the father. He's 78 years old, and he says, listen, my time is running out, you know, uh, to get anything done here. So why doesn't the governor just say, okay, we're going to take all this evidence and turn it over to, a, uh, to one of these private companies that can do really advanced DNA and maybe come up with a profile? Why don't we do that? So I talked about that. Uh, and and he's back in the news again. And I'm really hoping that that happens because what a horrific crime to happen to, to this young child and that no one has ever been brought to justice. That the worst part about that is that whoever did this is still out there. That person is still out there. Who knows? There could be other crimes because crimes against children are rampant. Uh, could be other children who were murdered, sexually assaulted, whatever, by this person since that event. And because we never brought them to justice, they're still out there, which is a lot like what we see going on in Idaho, right, with the, the murder of these four college students. Uh, I, I, I have to say, you know, it's one of those things when you find out that other people are, are thinking the same thoughts you are, um, you say, wow, did I come up with that first? You know, I'm not one of them people, though, that says, oh, I came up with it. That's why it's out there. I just find it suspicious sometimes that the things we talk about here on Chasing Justice, a day or two later, I hear lots of people talking about it. So either I'm on the cutting edge or we just get our show out faster. Um, the, the young people in Idaho who were murdered, as I'm, as I'm studying... Uh, crimes in the incel community. These are the uh, involuntarily celibate community. These are people that feel that they can't get sexual partners because the world is unfair, it's not right. And their basic belief, um, males and females have these, these there's, a whole, there's a whole world of information out there. And I'm writing a couple of articles on this uh, for Blue Magazine. The Blue Magazine is uh, a national police magazine I write for. And the incel community, they are men and women who, for whatever reason, feel that they're, they're not connecting to other people. Like the men, their, their position is that women will only date 20% of the men in the world. Uh, you know, the very good looking, the very rich uh, people, uh, those men, they get all the beautiful women uh, and everybody else gets nothing. And including them, and they get very frustrated that they they can't get dates, they can't have sexual relations with uh, with these women, and they get very upset with the women. Now, when it comes to uh, the males, males have a tendency to take that energy out on other people, on women. There's a hatred of women. There's an anger towards them, and there has been uh, physical assaults uh, as well as uh, active shooters. There was an active shooter in California that was an incel. Uh, and one in, can uh, in uh, Canada as well. Now, the women who are incels, they, they have a tendency to turn the anger on themselves, but the men turn it outwards. Now, when you look at the violence that apparently, from what we're hearing in the crime scene, the crime scene can tell us a lot about the mindset of the person who did the activity. Right? So when you go and look, and we've talked about this, and, and it's it's part of what I do when I investigate. It's part of... Uh, what I did as a detective for many years, we can get information from lots of places. And the crime scene can tell us a lot about what happened. So when you have a violent stabbing, stabbing is a very, very personal attack on someone else. You know, it's one thing to shoot somebody from across the room. Um, it's another thing to take a knife and plunge it into somebody's chest 
and to do it repeatedly. It is a grisly kind of a thing. Um, and when we look at those attacks, we say that's exactly what happened. Is there a component of uh, incel activity in this attack? Were these young women attacked because this person felt they didn't have access to women? That they didn't, they, maybe they, they, maybe it was a stalker kind of a person who watched them from afar and could not get into that circle of friends. Um, I have suspicions that there may be something there. And the other day I read a report, a national report, where a uh, one of the TV pundit law enforcement people was on there going, you know, we have to take a look at the incel community. We have to see maybe this person could be an incel because of the way the crime was committed. Um, so I, I, I was ahead of that curve because uh, that's when you investigate, you have to keep an open mind. You have to look at what could what could it possibly be? Could it be someone who targeted all of them, didn't like them? Was it someone who targeted one and decided to do something else? Was it a budding serial killer? You know, Ted Bunny went into a college sorority and killed uh, four, three or four girls, uh, bludgeoned them to death, and did what he did in, in there in a sorority. It's a, it's, a, it's a target area. There's no doubt about it. Um, so was this a, a burgeoning um, serial killer, that this was their first or tenth attack? We just haven't been able to connect them together. So we're going to find out more about that as it goes. It's, it's been a while, um, but that's going to be in the news for quite a bit because eventually if there is a suspect, then we have to go find that suspect. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're from that area. They could be living a block away. This is what an investigation does. Um, I'm sure they're, they're doing the right thing. They have a lot of help now. The FBI is there. Profilers are there. Uh, you have the state police involved, and you have the local, uh, I think it's the Moscow police in, in Idaho. And they're looking for movements. You know, that's one of the things. You're going to look to see, is anybody acting differently? Did anybody take off and leave? Now, we know a lot of the college kids left. Would you leave your kid there? Would you tell your kid to go back there? Um, you know, and a lot of times we hear we hear a horrific crime and the law enforcement leadership will come out and make it clear to everyone there is no further danger to the community, meaning we found the suspect. Uh, we know or we know who the suspect is and they fled and there's no danger to anybody else. This was a, a specific crime against a specific person for a reason. In this case, you have this uh, mass murderer, this, this murderer who did these horrific crimes and nobody has any idea who it is. Could be, could be the guy next door, uh, or a guy could have fled. It could have been a traveling guy who just came through the area. There's lots of different things, and, and I wouldn't be surprised by anything I hear when it finally comes out. But uh, here on Chasing Justice, these are the things that we, we try to consider and think about and take a look at. So Elon Musk. I didn't know what to think of this guy early on when he was out there making the Tesla and, and doing all the things he was doing. I've seen a lot of Teslas on the road, and uh, one of, somebody I work with uh, has a Tesla, and it's a really very nice car. I've been in it. It rides really well. It goes really fast. It's comfortable. Matter of fact, it has that self-driving component, which is kind of scary. Um, I was in this car with three other people. I was in the back seat, and the guy who was driving puts it on auto driver, now, the car is driving itself on a major highway at 70-something miles an hour with all this traffic around us. And I guess all the sensors and everything are keeping the car from crossing lanes and this and that. 
but the sensors that it has in the front to look for obstructions where the car would break all by itself, we were going under an overpass, and there was a big shadow um, on our side of the overpass from the overpass. And the car sensed the shadow as a blockage and hit the brakes, and then realized, okay, it's not a blockage, and took off again. And that was a little disturbing uh, that the driver had nothing to do with that, was actually uh, texting at the time because the car was driving itself. Uh, so that was a little interesting to see. I guess we'll get there to self-driving cars at some point. But to get back to my point is, uh, obviously, he's a very, very smart guy, this Elon Musk. He's the richest man in the world. He's come up with things that people want. And I wasn't sure where he stood politically. I didn't understand if he was a big liberal or if he was a big conservative or what this guy was. He seemed very liberal to me when I initially took note of who he was. Now, what he's been doing recently, and not just with Twitter, but other things that he's been saying and doing, are much more uh, on the conservative side of things. Not not uh, Ted Cruz conservative, but certainly more conservative. And now that he has Twitter and he's willing to release internal information about what really went on with censorship and who was involved. Was it really just the Twitter board who were crazy liberals and they just wanted to, uh, you know, support the Democratic Party in, in all ways and anti-Trump and, uh, okay, it's a private company. They're allowed to do that. Um, or was there influence from other people? whether outside governments influencing what they put out and didn't put out, who got banned and who didn't get banned, who got throttled back and who, you know, who didn't. Because it's going to reveal a lot of the dark side, which is where I've heard people say, well, do you think if we find out that people were involved specifically peddling influence and maybe this and that, is that? My concern is that when you get very wealthy, powerful people, you don't always see things happen to them. There's not always consequences for them. Um, you know, we saw we saw how the FBI, which has been absolutely weaponized uh, against conservatives and Republicans and political people that they disagree with. There's no question about it. It's not the individual agents. Uh, they're out there trying to do their job. It's the political leads of this agency that is now uh, just running rampant with... Uh, with corruption. We saw what they did in the elections. What they did with Hillary Clinton, and I don't want to go back to Hillary Clinton, but the reality is uh, they have assigned a special prosecutor now to go after Donald Trump uh, right after he announces for president. But here's Hillary Clinton where James Comey, the head of the FBI, came out in front of the whole American people and was very, very crystal clear on the fact that, yes, she did have classified information on her private server, which you're not allowed to do. And she's not the president. She can't claim presidential anything. She was the secretary of state. And she had 17 emails that were considered, uh, at the time, highly classified, top secret. This, that. But we don't believe anybody would prosecute her. Then why would we now get a special prosecutor to look at Trump because he had some documents that may have been listed uh, as classified, uh, which as the president, he can declassify them. And he did. He said he did before he left office. So there would not be a crime there. Why is it then we now have a special prosecutor to go after and look at him? But we didn't do that with Hillary Clinton. Why is it we see a lot of evidence? You know, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And I'm not saying that there's corruption in the Biden family. I'm not saying that. I don't know it for a fact. 
But it sure looks like there's corruption in the Biden family. It sure looks like Hunter was used as a bag man and his and uh, Jim, uh, the president's brother, Jim, was a bag man to go around to all these different countries and get money out of them for the Biden family. Right. If you go back two years ago when the election was was roaring and I was talking then, I was saying, how does somebody go to Congress making $170,000 a year, and after 10 years, you'd have, what, $1.7 million. After 10 years. After 20 years, you'd, you'd have, uh, you know, uh, $3.4 million. How is it that somebody like a Joe Biden goes to Congress and has $120 million and 14 mansions all over the place? Where does that money come from? It's not like he has a plumbing business on the side. So where does that money come from? And... This is where I don't think we're going to see any real justice here. You might see a report, no matter how much uh, the people in, in, you know, the Republicans in Congress want to bring this forward and do whatever. They can do an amazing, amazing investigation out in the public, uh, sanitizing everything with uh, sunshine and transparency. And we can see all the connections to the laptop and we can have people who were there who can actually testify who the big guy is and what the what the emails mean. Uh, and I think uh, we could turn all that over to the Justice Department. Does anybody really expect Merritt Garland to look at that and go, okay, well, now I have to indict the president or indict Hunter Biden? Does anybody really believe that that's going to happen? No. At best, I think we can hope that there is an accounting, uh, that we find out who did what, when, uh, who was involved with whatever parts of this corruption, and we, we bring it to light. Unfortunately... And I'm an optimist, but it, when it comes to these things, I'm a pessimist. I have seen time and time and time again in my career where wealthy, politically connected people, they might get in trouble, but they certainly don't suffer consequences like you would if you were a regular person and got involved in those kind of problems. So do I expect the political class to support what Jim Jordan and all these other guys are saying they're going to do? No, and I don't expect Merritt Garland to take this to a grand jury. And if he did, uh, I would expect him to present it in such a way that the grand jury would deny to indict. So I don't expect that justice, and I think we need to uh, make sure people understand to, to, uh, to be prepared uh, that they're going to slip away again, that they always slip away, because that's what happens to political people. Now, in our modern world... If you are on the wrong political side, you would not be able to slip away, right? Uh, how, many, how much more can they go after Trump? He's not the president, and they're still appointing special counsels two years after he's out of office to make sure he doesn't run again. How afraid of him must they be? Think about that. The guy's been out of office two years, and they're still looking at, uh, how do we get him? How do we get him? How do we get him? How do we indict him? How do we shut him down? How do we keep him going? We have all these uh, cases, different district attorney's offices around the country going after this guy. In the meantime, we have blatant evidence right in front of us of crimes that appear to have taken place in the Biden family. And is there a mainstream media doing any report? I can imagine them in their boardrooms trying to figure out what they're going to talk about. Hey, listen, uh, looks like the Republicans are going to bring this forward and we're going to see some evidence that the Bidens are really bad. Right, we, have to, we have to shut that down. All right, we're not reporting on that. We're not going anywhere near any of that. Uh, let them bring it out. It'll run on Fox News for a couple of days and that'll be the end of it. We're not going after that. 
Why would a journalist today say that? You have the highest office in our country. The President of the United States may be involved in blatant corruption, may be beholden to our enemy governments, and they're not even willing to look at it, not even willing to consider it, not even willing to have a, a report where they consider considering it. This is uh, clear evidence that sides have been chosen. We don't have a free press anymore. We do not. We don't have a fair press. That's pretty clear. The majority of the media in our country is left-wing liberals, and they will not report on anything that damages their political point of view. That's not the purpose of the press. That's not why the press was enshrined into our Constitution. Our forefathers believed that the press would always hold the light to whoever was in power to make sure they did right by us, by you and me, the people of the United States. And the press would bring these things to light. Well, we don't have that anymore. That doesn't happen. The fact that this information is right there in front of everyone and they will not report on it. And when they do report on it, all they report is the negatives. That it's not true, it's a fake thing, it's a fake this, it's a fake that. You have people that are coming forward that were involved in the deals and are testifying or want to testify. There's not one report. They're not sitting down with this person trying to figure out, well, what did you know? When did you know it? How do you know this? And that? Nothing. Not a sound. Right? This Bobolinsky guy. Uh, apparently, he was involved directly in these deals with Hunter Biden, and he knows exactly who all the players are in those emails. He knows where the money went. He knows where the money came from. And, but nobody has any interest in talking to that guy. But I'll tell you, if a guy came up tomorrow and said, uh, you know, Donald Trump uh, once uh, cheated at golf, there would be seven days of news reports on, on Trump's cheating and his personality that cheats and allows him to cheat and who did he screw out of money because he cheated at golf. It would be endless. Now, that doesn't mean that shouldn't be reported on. If that affected the country, and he did that, just like I've said all along, if Trump actually did any of these things they accused him of, he should be prosecuted because we can't have a president colluding with a foreign government. But he didn't do those things, and they made it up, and that's all they talked about. When right in their face is evidence of potentially smoking guns, as they say, of evidence of political corruption by the sitting president of the United States and other family members and, and, and connections to these foreign governments, and there's not a bit of interest. How does that help you and me? It doesn't, and therefore, uh, they are failing us constitutionally. So what does that mean? Okay, Lieutenant Joe, we all know the media is bad. We all know the media is biased. We know the media is this, that, and that. So what do we do to fix it? Well, this is the dilemma, because once again, when, we, when you reach a stage like this, when you reach a stage where your, your institutions are all corrupted, your FBI is corrupted and weaponized to go after people, uh, the, the power and levers of government that can come after people to silence them, to shut them down, uh, your actual free speech is something that can be taken away from you and is being taken away from you. And we all just sit here and watch it happen. It's not sustainable. We, we cannot go on like this. What we are slowly doing is we're starting to circle the drain, and I don't mean the country in itself, or the people, but the, the institutions that we're supposed to believe in and be able to put our faith in, 
right? That's the whole idea of government. Government is there just not just there to run your life. Government is there to do things for you, to serve the people, the things that we need, uh, you know, organized government to do. And they're not doing it anymore. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the symptoms are there. When we don't have people keeping our streets safe and clean and chaos is kept at bay and people can walk the streets, commit commerce, they can uh, engage with other people safely without getting killed, robbed, or raped, then you can't have a society. Then it changes into something else. When we see the clamping down on our society by government trying to control everything you do and say, we still don't have any real facts about this, this epidemic that destroyed a lot of our economy, a lot of people's lives all around the world. You're not even allowed to talk about it. All you got to say is vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. And if you don't say anything but that, there's something wrong with you. But slowly and surely, we're starting to see some facts slip out where the dangers of these vaccines are coming out. How come, how come we didn't have this conversation? That is a symptom of where we're at. And it's, it's a scary thing. People talk about scary things. This is a scary thing because we can't continue like this in our present form. So what's going to happen is we're going to slip into that government control. That's where people want to take us. And that's where people sit back and just watch it. We are frogs in the, in the, in the bucket and the water is starting to boil. And eventually it's going to get too hot. And then what do we do? It's too late. Then you're going to be cooked. Right? And you're going to be welded into your house. Right? So that'll never happen here, Lieutenant Joe. Well, you know what? We never thought we'd be silenced. We never thought opinions would be shut down. Young people today, when you talk to them, they've been so influenced by the powers that be to influence children. Because if you start teaching children things at a young age, they grow up believing that stuff. And we're seeing that uh, indoctrination come to fore. When you have the majority of people under 35 think socialism is a better form of government than what we have. These are the people that are going to be running this country in the next couple of years. Uh, when you see people under 35 saying that, uh, you know, free speech is, we should relook at that whole free speech. You shouldn't let just people say anything they want. Uh, you, you should have to control what people say. Uh, when you see people willingly, willingly jumping onto that bandwagon to shut down free speech because they don't like what people say. It's scary. It's offensive. Well, when you shut down the bad speech that people don't like, you also shut down the good speech that you may need to save your life at some point. So these are all symptoms. Uh, you know, if I was a doctor, Dr. Joe, I'd be looking at this and I'd say, I see a patient that is sick. I see a patient that has a potentially uh, life-ending disease. And all of the factors are right there in front of you, but we're all going to ignore it. We're all going to ignore it and sit back and hope it works itself out because that'll never happen here. And that's the most dangerous thing anybody can ever say. It'll never happen here because you know what? It's happening right in front of our eyes. So one of the things that uh, I want to make sure that I stay healthy I'm going to tell you about healthy cell real quick. Uh, I've been taking that healthy cell, and I, I've mentioned it here many, many times. I like this stuff. I'm telling you, going through the fall now, nothing. Uh, a sniffly nose, and the next day it's gone. And the only thing I can really attribute it to is the healthy cell immune boost. 
Uh, I take it every single day. It is. It has shown me. It has proved to me that it actually does work. Um, you know, as you get older, you're more prone to different things. And I had a history of sinus infections and this, that, and the other thing. And I haven't been to the doctor for a sinus infection in over a year. And normally, I'm there two, three times a year. So the only thing I've done different is take the healthy cell. It's delicious, and uh, it's got plenty of the vitamins, and it boosts my immune system. So listen, if you're looking to get yourself healthy, I'm going to tell you, give it a try. And I tell you that because I believe in this product. Uh, some things that are out there I don't believe in, but I do believe in healthy cells. So give that a try. And I just wanted to mention that to you. All right, well, we're, we're quickly winding down this episode. As I look at my pages of outrages here, I'm trying to see, did I miss anything I wanted to talk about? Well, one of the, the things on the horizon we're going to have to look at where uh, we're starting to see layoffs picking up. Layoffs in companies are picking up. And even though the economy, oh, the economy is roaring, we're doing great. Uh, people don't feel it. The inflation rate is, is out of control. Kathleen got me antipasto the other day. I like antipasto for lunch, right? It's very healthy for you. She gets me, she goes, you know that little tub of antipasto is 10 bucks now? It used to be like $4. Now it's $10. Uh, how, how about turkeys? We had a Thanksgiving turkey, and I said, you know what? I want another turkey around the house. I'm going to get another turkey. A 25-pound turkey was, was $54, right? $54. The prices are really hurting a lot of people with this inflation. And again, uh, do we talk about it? Where's the drumbeat every single day about this? Nothing. There's nothing to protect us from what's going on. So listen, my friends, ladies and gentlemen out there in Chasing Justice Land, we all want to be tolerant. We all want to get to know everybody, and everyone has a fair place at the table. But we have to be careful that we don't allow violence and crime and all these other negative things to overtake our lives. So I'm going to tell you, like I tell you every week, my opinion, my thought is, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network. We'll see you down the road.